buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. What is happening, sales hustlers? Welcome to another episode. I'm fired up for this one. I've got Andrew Metz. Uh, he is the regional vice president at Zywave. We tried to do this before and we had technical issues, so we got it figured out. He's back and refreshed from a two-week vacation on the beach in Florida, so I know he's going to be bringing nothing but fire, and we've got some great topics around the roadmap to leadership. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm glad we finally hooked this up and are making it happen. I know, I know. And we we started out with some technical difficulties again today, and I think we we're both ready to <laughs> rip our hair out. <laughs> we're here um, now. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. So before we jump in to the good stuff, the tactical things that we are going to talk about today, just give us the short version of your sales story. Yeah, I, I mean, I. The, the the short the short version is um, I'm a I'm an undersized chip on my shoulder uh, former athlete um, I'm, I guess I'm still trying to uh, still trying to prove something on LinkedIn as I, I jumped over my kids on the beach as you were referencing earlier uh, people think it's funny that I was voted the best athlete of my high school class because I'm I'm short uh, no one no one was going to think of me as an intimidating uh, big strong athlete but. Um, I was competitive is what I'm getting at. And I remember going to college and I, I remember having a tie dye shirt and I started playing acoustic guitar and I thought that's what you're supposed to do in college. And that, that fire got suppressed. Um, and, and I was, you know, playing hacky sack or whatever the hell you're supposed to do in college. And, um, <laughs> I had, I had a friend that I knew back in my hometown who, who said, Hey, I have a, um, he said, I have a I have a sales role. We're, we're working with Microsoft, and they're doing lead generation, and there's a call center out in Fargo. Would you be interested in working mm. there this summer? And I said, I love Minnesota. And he said, well, Fargo's in North Dakota. And I said, well, that's cool. I'll check that out too. So literally didn't even know what state Fargo was in. I didn't have a cell phone or a credit card, and I drove 500 miles from Milwaukee to Fargo, North Dakota. And I went through a you know, like a one week training program. And I got on the phones and we we're doing lead generation for Microsoft. And, that, and in the first day I made a hundred calls and I set some meetings and one of the older guys that was in my boot camp, it was like, kind of like he's in his late forties. His name was uh shooter was his nickname. 
just to kind of give you some context, mm. Fargo, North Dakota. He's like, slow down, buddy. You're making us all look bad. And I knew I was doing exactly <laughs> what I was supposed to be doing. I was like, and that, w- that was the day it got reignited. I was like, all right, here we go. I like found it again. And um, mm. I was finally rewarded for being competitive and not be, you know, I wasn't viewed as a jackass. It was like, okay, like I can go work really hard and learn something new and have fun. And I worked in a call center. Uh, literally, uh, for, for, for a summer, I didn't know one person in, in North Dakota. And, um, you know, when I came back, that's what I kind of figured out. That's what I wanted to do for a living. And my, my current gig, I started as a lead generation BDR cold caller. I did it for almost two years and, um, moved into outside sales for a couple of years and, and then into management. And, um, now I'm managing managers and I'm really, I'm really passionate about the leadership angle, maybe even more than sales, but I love the idea of, you know, people I've hired six, seven, eight years ago, seeing them progress their career. I'm in the process right now of moving a guy that I hired five years ago. I'm moving him from a, from an account executive into a regional manager position. He's going to run his team, his own team of eight people. And that's, that's extremely rewarding. So that's kind of where I'm at in my career. I'm, I'm going on my 13th year at my, uh, my SAS, uh, based software company. Which, which we were joking before is highly unusual, right? <laughs> Just to, yeah, to be that I, long I think that, at a company these yeah, days. I, well, I, I, I'll tell you another quick story. My first day at Zywave, uh, was November 10th, 2008. And I remember it because they announced that they moved from a private company to they sold to a private equity company and I went home after my first day and my wife's like, I wasn't, I'm like, I don't know. That might be it. I, was, <laughs> I had no idea what that meant. And now I'm working with my third private equity company and you know, private equity has a different philosophy. They move really fast. They're, they, they need to flip a profit in three, five, seven years, whatever the case is. And, um, you know, I've had bought, I've had two bosses get fired. I've had to let go of a lot of people. There's a high amount of accountability, but I think, I hope, I've been able to lead with, with compassion, giving people the benefit of the doubt. And even when, you know, we got to part ways with people do it in a, in a, in a way that I'm there to support them. I've been references for people I've had to let go. I've, I had, I actually, I actually let a guy go and he hugged me afterwards. <laughs> um, maybe he was relieved to not work for me anymore. I don't know, but I'm certainly <laughs> not, I'm certainly not an asshole, but there is a lot of accountability being in a private equity SaaS company. Right. And it's, you got to get the results first and foremost. Um, but, you know, beyond that, hopefully we have some fun doing it and, you know, we can progress our career and make money and all that stuff. But, you know, at some point the, the money, the money all comes, it's, it kind of boils down to the relationships you're forming. What are you learning? How are you getting outside of your comfort zone, learning new skill sets? And I've just, people go, why have you been at the same company going on 13 years? Well, I've kind of had a new role every two to three years. And that's, that's been certainly something I don't take for granted, but has created new skill sets and just has kept me engaged for this whole period of time. We're almost to the point now where we started as a hundred person company. We're about 800 employees now. Literally the company's just changed from, from when I started and it's, it's changed from even two or three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't want to pass up on the fact that you booked some meetings on your first day cold calling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is I think, I think, which is yeah. more which is more than most can say. Well, I think it was one of those things where I just you know the first day people are hesitant and they're worried about getting hung up on or whatever and. I don't know. I've, I've never had that fear. I think I was I was a middle child. Uh, I was the fourth out of six in a blended family, and um, 
there was, I had a younger sister, so I was like, oh, great, another boy. And, you know, I, I think I lacked a lot of attention, so you had to do things. You had to, you know, be, be a good athlete or a magician or something to get some attention. And to me, I, I just never, I never feared the other side of that call, which is someone hanging up, someone telling you to go pound sand or go to hell or whatever. You know, my philosophy is like no one's ever going to hurt you through the phone line. Uh, you know, you're never going to meet these people. Yeah. What, what are we What are we worried about? And I mean, that kind of in a microcosm, I've never thought about this, but the, a cold call is almost like life in some ways of putting yourself out there, taking that step. Because why why people go, oh my god, you call people for your cold call? You know, lead generation. They you have quotas. It's like yeah. Um, that's that's what salespeople do, but to me, it's it's kind of a microcosm of just stepping out because you will reap the reward if you make it happen. But can you handle the rejection? And you know, how confident are you in your own skin? And can you keep perspective on it and laugh it off, or or just go, yeah, I get hung up on seven times a day, but I also set five meetings a day, and that's part of making a hundred phone calls or whatever. It's you know, some of it's statistics and that sort of thing, but. Never really had a fear of picking up the phone and, and just going for it. Yeah, it's it's a skill that can serve you well in in, in many different aspects of your yes. life, you know. And 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 I kind of look at it from a different lens where I actually say to be great at that craft or sales in general, it's actually a lot more personal work that you need to do to be more mm-hmm. confident, to have the proper mindset, to actually be good in your professional role, whatever that is, whether you're individual contributor or sales leader. Um, you know, it's not really mastering yes. the professional skills. That's part of it, but it's really investing more in your personal growth to be a better version of yourself, to just totally crush it when you're, you know, in the, in, in the saddle. hundred percent. I, I've seen some people be able to compartmentalize, but I think to your point, like your own cold calling is confidence, right? And, and your own confidence and how you feel about yourself and your, your worth and your value you bring to the universe and stuff. I think that all kind of goes through through the phone and you know if you're really excited and passionate and you have a voice and go and you're engaging and you can kind of reach through the phone line and grab by the throat people are gonna be interested and it's like hey before you hang up hear me out you know kind of a thing um that is that is engaging and not everyone has that but to your point i think that's a it's a pretty good skill set for the rest of life and you know it's i think if you cold call you could do a lot of things it was certainly a solid foundation for me in my sales career yeah. All right. So let's shift gears here a little bit, because um, you have the track record of you know going from individual contributor to becoming a leader um, and having different leadership roles. And you know, I'm assuming there's a lot of people that are individual contributors today that are, you know, maybe wondering like, is that the right path for me? Do I want that? What do I do yep. to prepare? Um, so talk me through some of those things. Yeah, I, I mean, I just had one of these conversations yesterday with with one of my individual contributors who who wants leadership. And to me, you know, if you're fortunate enough that your organization has like a a leadership track, that's certainly worth uh, exploring. But I think if they don't, the first thing I'd say is communicate to upstream of what your intentions are and ask some direct questions about what what is the path to get there and start taking on more responsibilities. I know my organization we have mentorship programs like formal mentorships when a new hire gets gets um Mm. onboarded they get assigned a mentor that's a great opportunity to start fostering leadership i think um 
asking for additional projects or tasks or try to work through something that maybe hasn't been um, resolved in, in your in your current organization as far as, you know, processes that could be better, um, ways to do student of the game, leadership development uh, within your team. And, you know, leadership doesn't mean leadership's not about a title. Leadership's just kind of a, a way of being. And that and that could be done as an individual contributor. It could be you know, it could be leading by example. It could be taking someone under your wing, but don't wait for a position to be posted or for, uh, you know, an interview to come. I think your job, if that's your desire, is to position yourself as a desirable candidate before that opportunity even arises, or at least understand what you can do proactively now to put yourself in that position when the opportunity does arise. So basically what you're saying is, Take the initiative to find opportunities to showcase that you have those skill sets that are required should a position become available. Be transparent that those are your intentions. Ask some direct questions of what the path is, what that looks like, what could become available, what roles might be created, uh, and you know, kind of set yourself up on a track to be going in that direction. Yeah, because the whole idea of hiring, I've done a ton of hiring um, over the last eight years as a hiring manager, is it's a risk assessment. And if I have someone that I don't think is uh, um, risky to put them in the role in the sense that risk is just an unknown, I don't know if they can do this. I remember when I interviewed to be a, a regional manager and run my first team of six people, I said, you guys don't think of me as a, as a manager because I've never done it before, but I said, I was captain of the football team. I was a resident assistant in college. I mentored people. I started weaving a narrative to explain to them that this has been my path for years. Um, and you're not taking a risk by putting me in this spot. In fact, I've been doing this already. And I was able to tell them a lot of stories. That I think gave them confidence to go, okay, this guy, he's ready for it, right? And so that's your job, though, to sell yourself, right? <laughs> it's like, I have really good salespeople are good at selling stuff, but they're bad at selling themselves internally. I'm like, be a salesperson and think about what you're, what upstream, what they're looking for. Right. And, and that's, you know, sales as a skill set is, is beyond just the product or service you're selling. It's how do you sell yourself too? Right. Right. And so what about, um, what about, you know, leaders, identifying who is who actually wants leadership because i think sometimes leadership can be pushed on people as like a carrot to be dangled and not everybody wants it yes i agree i think the distinction in my mind in working with a lot of people that went down the individual contributor path or i think i've moved six or seven people from an individual contributor into leadership roles over the last five years is your degree of one, how much control are you willing to give up? Because <laughs> when I see people that are real control freaks, I think it's hard to go, okay, now six people are going to dictate my income. That's scary for some people. And and also, do you need to get your hands in every single thing? And if you do, mm -hmm. uh, you might drive yourself nuts. You might drive your team nuts. But there's also some about empowering your team and ensuring they're learning something. So there's some point where you got to like take take your hands off the wheel. But it's also kind of a... 
it, it, it's a there's a there's a dial between selfish and selflessness and this isn't a bad thing but i think really good high-end salespeople are selfish they have selfish traits and usually that's a bad word but in this sense it's not because they're reliable they're gonna go hit their number they're gonna go make it happen and they want it on their shoulders they want to take the shot at the end of the game and that's once again it's not a bad trait i think if you're comfortable with going I trust other people. I'm going to empower other people. I'm going to lift them up, but I'm also not going to have 100% control over how this all works. And you can you can be okay with that. And you you can know there's going to be some, you know, there's some problems that are sitting on my plate that I'm going to have to deal with tomorrow or next week. And I'm okay with that. I will I will cross that bridge when I get there. I don't get anxious like oh my god, because you could sit around and worry about a lot of things. And you got a team of you know 30 people. You know things go south fast um, in an individual pocket, mm. but. So, you know, you need to ask yourself, how much control do you want? Are you okay with giving other people the the accolades and the attention? And if you are, then, you know, there's something very gratifying beyond compensation, by the way. And that's the other thing I talk about with salespeople is you just want to make as much money as possible. Don't go into leadership. Try to go be the top enterprise sales rep or whatever, you know, wherever the biggest, juiciest deals are. That's what you should be running towards. Um, because our top, my, our top salespeople make more than our leaders. And, and I think that's the way it should be. Um, cause they're out there kind of, you mm-hmm. know, killing things and dragging it back to the cave and they're, they're putting, they're putting their name on the line and that's where the rubber meets the road. So those are some gut check things that I would, that I would suggest. And then, you know, if you have good relationships with people internally, it's talking to the top top uh, individual contributors about what they love about what they do. And then it's having candid conversations with leaders about what do you like and what don't you like about the job and how much of that can you stomach and, you know, stress and accountability is, is everywhere. But I think in, in leadership roles, you know, I sit down once a week with our CRO and our CEO and we commit to what we're going to sell that month. And if it doesn't happen, there's, you know, there's accountability. So how do you feel about that as well? Mm. All right. So tell me, what would you tell any like new leaders or first time leaders? What advice do you have for them? What are some things that you learned along the way in your first leadership role? Yeah, I think it's always a tricky spot, especially if you're going from your individual contributor where maybe you're now you're managing your, your peers, your peers were yesterday and now you're their manager today. Um, I would say being brutally honest and not not pretending like you have all the answers will get a lot of buy-in. Mm. And that's where that was some mistakes I made were just my own insecurities. I was like, yeah, I got this. I got to figure it out as opposed to just going, I'm not sure yet. We'll figure it out. And yeah, you got to go figure it out. And they're going to look to you as a leader to have some answers. But it's okay if you don't have all the answers. And I think the worst thing you can do is pretend like you do or put up a front or be dishonest. Um, so that's that's kind of you know, common sense, but I see it all the time, uh, especially with salespeople and, you know, insecurities and egos and that sort of thing. And I think it's fine to simply say, I'm not sure yet. I haven't done this before, or we'll figure this out. Um, and so my, my suggestion is just be who you are. You're definitely going to have to, you know, work a little faster, a little harder and, and, and probably figure some things out you've never done before, but you don't need to pretend that you have all the answers if you've never done it before. So having a level of vulnerability, um, maybe even being willing to willing to shovel some shit with your team. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think anything you can get in the weeds and help them out. I mean, our world is 
we do do team selling where our managers are on the, the demos with our reps. And if you can get deals done, I've had some of my managers pick up the phone and do cold calls for their reps and set meetings for them. That will get buy-in. Like if you're showing them that you're willing to do some of the heavy lifting alongside them, you're going to get a lot of buy-in um, as opposed to just kind of this ivory tower I refresh dashboards and see what kind of deals come in kind of a thing. Uh, people people want help selling. Mm. They want coaching. And, and that's fundamentally your job as a leader. Yeah. Now, um, you know, this gets talked about a lot. So I, I, I definitely want to bring it up and get your, get your thoughts on it. Um, there's a lot of times that individual contributors get promoted to leadership and they're not really cut, cut out for leadership roles. And you know, how often do you see that and how can you avoid that sort of thing from happening? Making sure that they yeah. are the right fit and not just being a top yeah. producer that gets a leadership role. Totally. I think I think top, top sales reps probably don't make the best leaders because of the things I talked about, kind of that, you know, your DNA, your makeup, and that's okay. Yeah. And I always say, like, to be a leader, you don't need to be the top rep, but you got to be good enough that you can help people close deals, but then still have the kind of the, the you know, be a teacher and have some patience and not be a control freak. Right. So there's some, there's some kind of DNA mm. y- uniqueness that I think makes a great leader. Um, but it, it kind of comes down to organizations are quick to go. This, this guy or gal retired their quarter, killed it. They should go teach other people how to do it. And it's like, you know, why, why wasn't Michael Jordan a great coach? Maybe because he thought it should have been easier because he could have done it differently kind of a thing. And I think being able to, have the um the 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 wisdom and perspective that you got to meet people where they're at they don't have the skill set you have yet you just hired them six months ago there's still a lot to learn and 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 to me that's kind of just patience and it's willing to slow down and you know uh the analogy i think about all the time is i have children and it's like when my five-year-old started tying his shoes i want to go down and just tie him quick and get out the door but i slowly painfully mm. just waited for him to get him tied and now he's nine years old and he knows how to tie his shoes right so it's like if you tie his shoes forever he's never going to learn it so sometimes you got to just kind of go through that you know walk uh or, or crawl walk run before you can all really sprint and um some people don't have patience for that. So patience is definitely a trait that I'd be looking at and, and a question I'd be asking yourself if it's something you're considering. Yeah, patience is is definitely an important one. And I would say the other one that you mentioned that is extremely important is, you know, not being the type of person that wants to control everything, right? Yes. And those type of people, you a lot of the times those type of people are top producers, and that's totally okay. Yes. But like you said, right. they don't make great leaders. Yeah, I think they struggle. I think it's they're sh- they're swimming upstream or there's something that's going to make them very uncomfortable. Even if they can drive results, they might alienate their team um and and they might they might not be able to ha- handle the pressure of it's not all in their control. There's a, there's a level of trust that you need to have that I think is hard for some people to let go of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Andrew, these are some great topics. I really appreciate you uh, talking, taking the time today to talk about these things. Um, just before I let you go, let people know where they can find the best dad content ever and anything else that you want to let them know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, you can check me out at Andrew Metz. Uh, I'm on Clubhouse. I'm starting to dabble with that uh, at Andrew Metz. 
Um, I, I, my my game is basically documenting the crazy life that I have is trying to juggle being a you know running a big sales team and um, having three kids homeschooling on the other side of the wall and uh, working from home for the first time and just trying to figure that whole thing out. So um, you get a real life snapshot of what's going on for better or worse. And um, I'm, I'm highly engaged in interacting with people on LinkedIn and uh, would love to love to get connected with your audience. Awesome. We'll drop the link there in the show notes for all the sales hustlers tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please write us a review, share it with your friends. And as always, we are listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.